Man, I can't make any changes anymore. I don't know how many times people have told me, Man, I like the old intro better. I want to stay classy. What happened to the stay classy? Well, here you go. The old intro is back, even though the logo is wrong. That's the only reason why I switched the, the intro is because it had the old logo. But you know what? It's fine. For a six second clip on YouTube that only four people watch, I'll keep the stay classy intro. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to FGC Hollywood, a fighting game podcast, episode 41. My name is Max Bleiser, and I am joined by this lamp here in a hotel room, all by my lonesome. No co-host today, and no ever-rotating third seat today, because FGC Hollywood is back to being Mac splicer podcast in a way so yeah let's get straight into this before i ramble on about everything big announcement pringle hates me he said mac your podcast sucks you suck and he just left he didn't want to do the podcast anymore so i was like oh man so i had to get pringle to two i had to get broken wing on and then he did the podcast and then he said mac your podcast does suck pringle was right and then he left so here i am all alone in a hotel room somewhere in Kansas City, and I'm recording FGC Hollywood, a fighting game podcast, all by my lonesome, episode 41. No, I'm kidding. Of course, that's not what happened. So I just kicked the trash can. I'm sorry. This is not going to be a professional podcast that you're used to. Not that it's always that professional, but I, I try to keep the quality up. Anyway, I'm starting to ramble. What happened? Why am I alone in a hotel room? I'll tell you. This is the third take for FGC Hollywood, a fighting game podcast, episode 41. The first take was with Pringle the One. The second take was with Broken the Two, or just Broken Wing. And I'm sorry, guys and girls that listen to this show. My internet at home is terrible. It is absolute, absolutely the worst internet I could ever have. And so I cannot record a stable show from where I'm at. Until I move, which I don't know when, because the housing market in the St. Louis metro area is very difficult for somebody like me, a single guy who doesn't want to pay too much to find good internet. So I'm waiting through the winter, and unfortunately, that really makes the podcast suffer. So I spoke to Pringle, and I spoke to Broken, who are uh, amazing co-hosts on this show, and I told them... Listen, I don't believe we can do this podcast as it stands right now, and it's completely all my fault. However, I think the way we should do the podcast until I find a place on my own with good, stable internet is to just reformat FGC Hollywood, the this show, to a monologue podcast. What I'm doing now, and for veterans that listen to, to this show... Uh, probably have known me to do this with the Max Blaster podcast from 2016 to 2019. And so here I am doing it again. And this is going to be the format of the show until I find a better solution. Now, don't worry. Pringle the One and Broken Wing aren't going anywhere. They will join me on FGC Hollywood Plus on a rotating schedule because I have found that I could probably limit my video calls on a bi-weekly basis to less than an hour and it should be stable enough where I could put out a quality show. However, FGC Hollywood records 
close to three hours every time we record. We have our pre-show and then the actual live segment, which turns out to be close to 40 minutes pre-show and then two hours of actual recording and a little bit of banter at the end. So it's about three hours and my internet cannot cannot do that. It's just, it's so bunk. So here we are, FGC Hollywood, episode 41, take three, and I'm by my lonesome. Now don't worry, if you're watching the video of this podcast, don't worry about this hotel room. Here I am, I'm in Kansas City for work purposes. You should see my setup right now. I have the ice bucket from the hotel room. It's the thing that's holding my iPhone as a camera. And then underneath it is the coffee machine. That is my setup. And it's so bunk. I don't have my usual microphone, so I'm, I know, I'm sure my voice sounds like garbage. I mean, it normally sounds like garbage, but here it's probably like crappy mic type garbage. So anyway, that's what's happening right now. And I'm sorry. But this is the future of the show until I get good internet. And don't worry, I'll still have Broken and Pringle pop up with FGC Hollywood Plus, which goes to Patreon, as well as some of the clips that go on the YouTube channel. And with that out of the way, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. It's nice to have you back. I know we're late this week. Or we're we're late? I guess I'm late. Man, it's going to be so weird now referring to FGC Hollywood as just me. But... I guess I've done it so many times with the Maxbox podcast. Anyway, 41's a back episode. I was telling Pringle and Broken, really, when we recorded the first two attempts at this episode, that 40 was a big one because 40 is the is the boomer number, right? Once you turn 40, I'm, I'm 12 years away from 40, but I still consider myself somewhat of a boomer. That was a big one. 41 is even a bigger one because, fun fact, and I believe I said this on a podcast before, 41 is the number of my favorite basketball player of all time, Dirk Nowitzki. Another fun fact, when I got my dog, who is also named Dirk, that's how he got his name. When I got Dirk back in 2013, his name from the animal shelter or the animal rescue league or whatever was Maverick. You know how they give stray dogs that they find on the street. They just give, put them in the shelter. They're like, whatever, just give him whatever name. So they just slap a name on him and they call him Maverick. Now, I was like, I don't want my dog to be called Maverick. So what I did was, hey, I really like Dirk Nowitzki, and he plays for the Dallas Mavericks. So I'm going to call this dog after my favorite basketball of all time, and he turned out to be the best doggo of all time. So that's that's a little fun fact for FGC Hollywood episode 41, and here we are. So if you're new to the show, oh my god, what an episode to get into. If you're new, if this is your first time listening, I am so sorry, but it is what it is. I appreciate you for being here. It's This is a Fighting Game podcast. If you have not known, I know this is a long preamble, but I'm, I swear, I will talk about Fighting Games on the show. And if you're a returning person, thank you. I appreciate you for sticking around for all of your fighting game needs in this podcast. Thank you for coming back. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can do so at FGC Hollywood slash Ford, or rather, patreon.com slash Ford, FGC Hollywood where you get all sorts of uh, perks like FGC Hollywood Plus, the bi-weekly podcast that will feature Broken Wing and Pringle the One. What a deal! As well as uh, submitting questions to the show. At the end, I read questions. Patrons come first. Everybody else comes later. And all sorts of other stuff that I have planned for FGC Hollywood Plus. So with that out of the way, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to some fighting games. All right. Like I said... I've done this show multiple times. This is the first time I'm going to do it solo. But I wanted to start before I get to fighting games. Actually, it's sort of fighting game related because this game, this series is going to have a fighting game here pretty soon. 
League of Legends, aka Arcane. I've been watching Arcane. Arcane is really good. I don't know anything about League of Legends, but I, I was like, I have to watch this because I want to I wanna try to get into the world of Runeterra since, you know, that's a little bit of effort I have to do for the Project L people, right? And I was like, okay, people said Arcane is good. Let me try to watch it. I did. Episode one was pretty good. Episode two was like, all right, you know, it's it's decent. Episode three of Arcane sold me right away. I was like, this is amazing. I love this show. It's character development, pacing, storytelling. It has everything I want. So Arcane is godlike. Four and five are really good. Episode six blew my mind. I was like, I love this. I really love this show. It just keeps getting better and better. It's one of those shows that I have not watched episodes seven, eight, or nine. I heard those are really, really good. But it's one of those shows that really reminds me of how how well you can build and hold anticipation for the next episode and continuously deliver. That's so hard. That's so hard to do. And I'm really enjoying my time. I have not watched a single episode that was that good as episode three for Arcane since Samurai Jack season five, episode two, which is one of the most monumental episodes in that series. Five seasons, something happened in that episode that has never happened before. So I highly recommend it. If you're a Samurai Jack fan, watch that episode. I still think about that episode whenever I think of like the greatest episodes of all time for series or like chapters in manga. That one stands out for me. But the Arcane episode three was uh, was huge. So I really love it. I can't wait to get back away from uh, when I get back home to watch episodes seven, eight, and nine. I heard that they're also working on season two. So I'm excited for that. Now, listen. I will never play League of Legends. Don't get that twisted. I will never play League of Legends. However, I am interested in learning more about the world of Runeterra. I want to read some of the wikis. Camille looks sick. I heard she's like really like uh, justice I love justice characters. I heard she's um, she's very, not righteous, but what do you call that? Like, I don't know. Like she's got like, uh, first of all, she's really elegant. I love elegant characters. And she seems stern. I read a little bit of the wiki. I like where her character goes. So they seem to have a lot of really good characters, a lot of really good world-developing arcs and character arcs. So I'm interested in getting in becoming a League fan that way, but not for the game. Not for the game. I will never play that game. Not that it's bad, but it's just not for me. Okay, that was one thing. The second thing is earlier last week, I guess by the time I'm recording this because I'm late, earlier last week... I put out an apology to Grand Blue Fantasy Versus and its community because on episode 40, yes, I was a boomer. I had a bit of a bad take and I reflected on it. And you know what? This is the first time where I was like, I was evaluating what I was saying. And the YouTube monsters really hit me with uh, some some truth, you know? And I, I appreciate that because you have to be able to take it whenever you dish it out. So I ate some crow. I I changed my ways. I had a bad take. I owned it. I apologize to Grand Blue Versus. I apologize to BB Tag. I apologize to all the games in the past that I have besmirched. Is that the correct use of the term? I don't know. But I apologize. I will no longer do that. And I, if Pringle was here, let's pretend Pringle is here. Pringle, imaginary Pringle, can you ask me how I feel about a game like BB Tag? Hey, Mac. How do you feel about a game like BB Tag? You know what, Imaginary Pringle? I hope everybody that plays Grand Blue, or not Grand Blue, BB Tag, enjoys their time. 
because there are so many games out in the fighting game space that everybody should have their own one. And as long as they're enjoying their time, that makes me happy. That's how I'm going to treat every single game that I don't really care for. I'm no longer going to shit on it needlessly because I've learned something. I think I've been doing this way too long without even noticing or maybe just not understanding the, not consequence, but the weight to it. I think I've been trying to build my own favorite thing by breaking down another person's favorite thing. So I, I don't want to do that anymore. I Like, if I really love TFH, if I really love Killer Instinct, I don't need to shit on games like Granblue Versus or BB Tag or Strive, whatever the game is that I don't like at that moment. I don't have to break something else down to build another thing up. So that's one thing that I kind of want to live by moving forward is I want to be more positive. I, want, I don't want to be fake positive, right? Like say, hey, yay, everything's okay all the time. But I do want to be more positive about just playing fighting games and just focusing on the fighting games that you love. And I think everybody should be like that. Now, does that mean I'm not going to criticize fighting game developers anymore for doing things that I find suspect? No. But it also means that I'm going to try not to be as disparaging and as personal with the commentary that I attribute to, or rather that I apply to whatever I'm covering. So that's going to be something that I'm going to try to do here in the future. So if I can't say anything good about something, I'm just not going to say anything at all. And if I have to say something that's a little bit critical, I'm going to keep it respectful. And that's, that's where I want to be with the future of the show and the future of how I just condone myself. Like there's really, there's no need to do what I have done in the past. So I uh, understand that I was wrong with the way I was treating games, with the way I was treating developers. And I don't know. I just think that it's, it's like an online mentality. And I, I preach that a lot that like, if the, if we were face to face, you would never say that. And I, I probably wouldn't say the certain things that I said on this podcast to the Grand Blue developers if they were standing right in front of me. So something I kind of want to work on. So from now on, I am no longer Boomer Mac. I am Happy Mac, Peaceful Mac. I have found, I, I, I am in a state of nirvana, you could say. And we'll get to that here in a bit. So that is my vow. If I don't have anything nice to say, I will not say anything at all. And if I do have to say something critical, I will keep it respectful. All right, speaking of FGC Hollywood Plus, the next episode, I am going to work on it this weekend. Probably won't have Pringle the One or Broken Wing on it because I've already sort of started recording it back home. And I'm going to finish it, so that'll be out this weekend. So the weekend of the 18th of December, 2021. So if you're a patron of FGC Hollywood, FGC Hollywood Plus Episode 3 should be out by the time you're listening to this, hopefully? No, no, no. Because this will come out before. But it'll be out shortly after this. So that's an update for that. Podcast corrections. I have a, one podcast correction that comes from MG Brad on YouTube, and he says, The KOF 15 Omega Edition is about $100 when converted to USD. Are you sure about that, MG Brad? Because I looked at some listings online. I could not find a single listing. The pre-orders on Amazon? I couldn't find anything. Newegg? No, I'm kidding. I didn't look on Newegg. But, like, where is the $100... I don't know, but if he's right, I think that's actually a pretty good deal. They had the lithographs, soundtrack, DLC, all that stuff. So, yeah, I think that's a good deal. 100 bucks. We'll see if this is available for North America. 
we'll see if this is even true, but uh, I'm sure we'll get more more links, more pre-orders here uh, soon, um, and then we'll find that. But if it is 100 bucks, I think it's worth it for you KOF fans. And with that out of the way, we can get to some news. Round one, FGC news. Okay, the first item on this week's list is has to do with Skullgirl Season 1 Pass. So, on December 5th, 2021, Hidden Variable, alongside Autumn Games and Future Club, released the full gameplay trailer of the next Skullgirl second encore character, Umbrella. Umbrella is best known as Parasol's younger sister and Queen Nancy's daughter, who was the former Skullgirl and the last owner of the Skullheart before Marie. Umbrella is shown using Hungern, her living umbrella, whose name is derived from the German word for starve and the Swedish word for famine. Before I keep going with this news item, when Pringle and I did this one, I was mentioning to him, I was like, you know what, I never really took Skullgirls seriously as a competitive fighting game, but the lore in Skullgirls is so well written, it's so good, characters are so interesting, background and foreground and main characters, tertiary characters, the world, really cool, so if you're not really into like getting your yourself mixed up with the technical side of Skullgirls, of, you know, hey, let me go online and get hit by copter assistant to brass knuckle. Read the story modes and stuff, because they're actually really good. I really like them. Back to the news. Umbrella is set to release sometime in early 2022. She will be available for purchase either as singular DLC or as part of the game's Season 1 Pass, which has already seen Annie join the roster earlier this year. There are two more characters for the game Season Pass. However, we did find out as part of Umbrella's trailer that the next character will in fact be the cold-blooded assassin of the Medici Mafia, Black Dahlia. Here's some interesting facts. Umbrella's design was inspired by the U.S. salt producing company Morton Salt, hence the salt-inspired theme during her voiceover line, so that's pretty neat. Black Dahlia is one of the most evil characters in the Skullgirls universe. She's best known for murdering Misfortune's adoptive family, the Fishbone Gang, whom she cut into pieces and disposed of, as well as murdering Sienna, the little girl who is now known as Squiggly. I also mentioned this to Pringle. That is really evil. I re- Actually, I think I spoke about this in the past with the Project L thing and as well as some other parts of the podcast before. I really like crazy women in fighting games. I don't know why. It's something, you know, probably how I grew up. I am also attracted to crazy women in real life, but we won't talk about that. But in fighting games specifically, there's something about them that I really like. This is too evil. Black Dahlia seems way too evil that even I'm a little disturbed by it. You shouldn't kill children even if they're fictional. Like, that's a little a little too much, but we'll see. She'll be interesting. I know people have uh, spoke about her before. She's been around the Skullgirls lore for a long time, so that's pretty cool. And uh, good for Skullgirls. Uh, one thing I, I do want to say before we move on to the next thing, Skullgirls is that game that is really community-driven. It's community-supported. It's the longest tenured fighting game we have currently that's actually still has a circuit. It still has like DLC. It's ongoing and it's it's so impressive. I was telling Pringle this. I believe Skullgirls is what Darkstalkers could have been had Capcom supported it. And meaning that it's just it's a really quality game that a lot of people have loved and they didn't give up on it. It had a few bumps in the road, right? Mike Z Saga, you have Lab Zero, Disbanding, Future Club, Assembling, 
and everything that went on with the patches post Mike Z, right? They had netcode issues and then the price got inflated with the DLC and all that. But it seems like they have found good stable ground to set as foundation for the future of this game. And it seems to be doing really well. So congratulations to Skullgirls. I've never really played it competitively, but I really appreciate it as a fighting game. I know Pringle was a big fan of this game. He played it for a very long time. I'm sure he still has love for it. So if you're interested in Skullgirls, you have Annie already for Season 1 Pass. You're going to get Umbrella, and you're going to get Black Dahlia, and that lore is great. So if you're not interested in all of the technical stuff with the fighting game part, the lore and the story is really, really good. All right, I'm a little late to this next news item, but I call it Blaze Back. So on December 4, 2021, during the CEO or rather the first CEO in over 900 days, Arc System Works revealed that they have been working on rollback netcode for both Blaze Blue Central Fiction and Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle. Blaze Blue Central Fiction's official rollback version will release February of 2022. However, the public beta is currently up and running on Steam. Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle rollback will come to PS4 and Steam sometime in 2022. Since the rollback announcement, Blaze Blue Central Fiction smashed its concurrent player record from its previous 1031 to 4,733 players. Ironically enough, this announcement came off the heels that the free-to-play mobile game Blaze Blue Alternative Dark War will be shutting down its services in January of next year. I feel bad for the Blaze Blue Alternative Dark War fans out there because your game had to die so Central Fiction and BB Tag could live. It's a mighty sacrifice. We are as fighting game fans, we appreciate your sacrifice. It had to be it had to be done. No, but seriously. So this beta is currently live for Central Fiction on PC. I don't know what to say outside of like I'm really happy for the Blaze Blue fans. I'm not a Blaze Blue fan myself. I played it. I've actually tried to get into Central Fiction seriously because I thought, you know what, Guilty Gear is not exactly my cup of tea, and I really love Persona. I think Blaze would be, Blaze Blue would be the, the closest thing to that. But something fell off with Blaze Blue where I couldn't really get into the characters, and the battle system just wasn't really for me. I was kind of like, I couldn't find the right fit with Arxis for the longest time after Persona, and I don't believe I still have found that fit since Persona, but I think Blaze Blue fans... A lot of them have moved to Guilty Gear because Blaze Blue didn't have rollback or a possible way to play it online consistently with good connection, and now they finally do. So the point that I'm trying to make here is I'm really happy for Blaze Blue fans because it's so fun to play rollback in other games, but to have your game have rollback is really special. So I'm sure that people who played KOF for the longest time when 2002 got rollback, they were so happy. 98 has rollback now. I'm sure those guys were happy. And all the other games, plus R, I mean, plus R was community-driven as well, and then Arxis picked it up. This was community-driven with Central Fiction, and Arxis picked it up. And I was making the the fact, or not the fact, but the argument in our Discord that I don't believe Arxis could afford to let blaze blue die because they don't own too many ips and this is one of their bigger ones alongside guilty gear so they had to do something for it so i think when they saw the community driven rollback effort and they did the same thing with plus r where they decided to take it upon their own to help them and make it their own internal project instead of a fan-made one 
it, it's really, really nice to see developers support that way. So good job on Arxis. I'm happy for BlazBlue players because, I mean, 1031 to 4733, they quadrupled their numbers. It's amazing to see. So good for them. I, I probably won't get into BlazBlue because the reasons I mentioned before, but it's so cool to see. So so good job on Arxis for reviving BlazBlue again. The game is on sale right now. So if you ever wanted to get into BlazBlue, now is the time. It has rollback. You can finally skip intros. You can plan snow stage. You can do all this stuff. So yeah, this is uh, this is great news. I hope to see this more. And one last thing. Now that we're getting rollback in older titles, there should be no excuse for newer titles to come to, or rather to come with delay. I think Broken mentioned this on the second take of this podcast. He said we were, we're winning the war of of rollback. And we're really close. I know the next war is probably going to be crossplay. However, personally myself, I think the rollback war is maybe like a year or two away from being completely done. Like we're going to destroy this. Like it's everything's going to be rollback moving forward as it should be. I don't want to ever, ever hear the word delay again. But I still think you're going to have a couple of old school developers or you know publishers who aren't super close to the fighting game space that will still try to not really consider rollback for their games. We're going to talk about two of them here in a bit. But I think we're we're a year to 18 months away from finally making this the standard, and the exception is going to be delay. So I can't wait for a future like that in fighting games, and putting rollback in these older games is definitely a step in the right direction. All right, let's stay with Arc System Works because they were also at CEO with Guilty Gear. So on the same day, on December 4th, 2021, following the great Blaze Blue rollback news, Arc System Works also teased the next character to join the Guilty Gear Strive roster, that being the fan favorite samurai, Biken. All we know right now is that Biken is set to join the game in late January of 2021 alongside a new stage and that more than likely she will be available as singular DLC while also being available as a part of the game's bundled season pass. So I don't know really what to say about Biken and Guilty Gear Strive except for the fact that she was not one of the characters I believe in the data mine after it came to PC. I believe it was Jam... It was Gold Lewis, it was Chaos, it was Jacko, and it was Asuka. And instead we're getting Biken, so maybe that data mine was not correct, or it was sort of correct, I don't know. But uh, Biken is cool. I think the momentum for Biken is probably appropriate right now because of the fact that I believe they put her in Samurai Showdown for sure, but I also believe that they might have put her in King of Fighters All-Star, the mobile game. So Biken is everywhere. She's ubiquitous across multiple platforms. So why not put her in Guilty Gear Strive? She's a fan favorite character. I like her personally, but not enough to play her. And there's um, something that kind of bothered me with Biken is that she's really cool. But I found that her design has gone from like really cool and stoic to a little more waifu. And her character is like almost like begrudgingly waifu. So... I don't know. There's a, she has like a weird archetype, or maybe the fans made her waifu when her herself is not a waifu technically. But she's cool. She breaks the game. She has an alpha counter, and she has amazing buttons. And yeah, tatami guys, tatami guys. Yeah, she's really good. So, uh, Biken's Biken's neat. 
I can't. I could never beat her when I played Exert or Plus R with Eno, mostly because I suck. But also, she's really good. So um, if you're a Biken fan, great. I think Broken said the three types of Biken fans are the ones that play her, the ones that don't play the game at all, and the ones that make art for her. So if you're one of those, I'm happy for you. Okay. Hey, we got some uh, King of Fighters news, and it doesn't have to do with the Omega Edition. It has to do with the second beta. It's just around the corner. So on December 9th, 2021, SNK revealed yet another character to join the roster of the presumed 39. By the way, I still think... I think I think they're pulling a fast one. I think it's going to be more than 39. It might be 40. However, this time, a character... Is no, the character, rather, is known as Cronin, who, according to the KOF pundits out there, is a reimagining of K49. I'm not even going to begin to pretend that I know anything about K49. I have not looked about who is K49, who is Nameless. I don't know KOF lore. I don't really care to know either, because certain fighting game lore, I don't know why, what about it. Like, it just doesn't interest me. King of Fighters is one of them. I really like their characters, because many of them are classy, and I love classy characters in fighting game. But uh, the lore is just not for me. But anyway, K49 is back. I know people are really excited for him because he hasn't been a part of the series for a long time. But uh, that's pretty cool. So here he is as Cronin. However, SNK also revealed its dates and the platforms for its second open beta test as it will be held on from December 17th to December 20th. The platforms for the beta are the same as last time, being the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 5 with crossplay enabled. The characters, or rather the playable characters this time around are Cronin, Isla, Meitenkun, Antonov, K-Dash, Blue Mary, Ryo, and Terry. Hey, Terry's in it. That's kind of neat. It is also specified yet again that a PlayStation Plus subscription will not be required. Hmm. We'll see about that. I, uh, I think I've already made my point clear about KOF 15 and SNK. I personally have not seen a statement saying, hey, we apologize, a public statement, that is. Hey, we apologize about the PlayStation Plus thing and or last beta that, you know, everybody needed a PlayStation Plus in order to play the beta. And if you did not have it, it would try to make you buy it. So that was annoying. They didn't really acknowledge the fact that they never fixed it. Instead, they're putting out a second beta. Listen, I have already made peace with the fact that I will most likely not buy this game. I will most likely not play this beta. And it's okay. If this is for you, and if you are really enjoying KOF 15, if you enjoyed the last beta, that's great. I heard really good things about it. I heard that the netcode was spotty, but uh, that always happens with first attempts of GGPO, so I'm sure they'll fix it. And, I, you know, for the most part, they've been doing things better, but it's still not up to my standards. So I really, really hope for them that the PlayStation Plus issue is resolved. I hope people have fun. I hope that the netcode is better. And I hope that the overall experience is much more smooth. But this game is right around the corner. It's coming in February of 2022. So I think this is their last big hurrah to make a splash. And outside of character trailers, to make a really good impression on people who are going to buy this game. Because this is a, I think this is going to be a pretty big game. Or not, maybe not a big game, but an important game moving on to 2022 and the fighting game landscape because listen we have a lot of older games in the fgc tekken 7 street fighter 5 are really on their last year 
this is a game that I think could make headway. It's coming out before Tekken 8, before Street Fighter 6, before League of Legends, right? Before Project L. So I think it could capture a little bit of momentum before it gets overshadowed and then becomes another sort of niche SNK fan only, KOF fan only type of game. So I do wish them luck. However, I will not participate until I until they meet my expectations. That's all I want. I don't want, you know, them kneeling on all four like and just saying, Oh, I'm so sorry. I just want like a PR response. We really apologize that your experience last time was not one of matching satisfaction. <laughs> that is that is a PR response right there. No, I'm kidding. But hopefully people have fun and hey, if they apologize, I might even buy this game. Probably not, but I might. All right. Hey, speaking of betas, this is actually, this is a slick move. I don't know if this is intentional, but I kind of like it. DNF Duels, my friends. DNF Duel open beta announcement. This came out of nowhere. So on December 12, 2021, DNF Duel released yet another trailer for the upcoming game. However, this time we got more than just a character reveal. The Who's Next trailer showcased all of the characters shown so far as well as the newly revealed Hitman, who is a subclass to the Agent class. However, the real interesting part of the trailer happened at the end of it, as the game surprisingly announced its dates for an open beta test on PS4 and PS5. The dates are the exact same as the upcoming KOF 15 beta, as it even starts at the same time, or maybe not at the same time, but I think maybe an hour earlier, but it's roughly the same time frame from... Friday, December 17th, 2021, and it ends on Monday, December 20th, 2021. So to finish out this announcement, we also learned that we're going to have at least 10 characters planned for this game, as we've seen the silhouettes of them after the Hitman trailer concluded. And the DFO community has already sort of picked, based on the silhouettes, who's going to be in the game. We'll get to that in a second, because this is this was written two days before we got two extra character trailers, which I'll talk to talk about here in a second. But I was really salty about games like this that just put out... I mean, DNF Duel put out a trailer, didn't say anything for 340 days, and then put out a, bu- a series of trailers. And they had no order to them. They just like, okay, here's a trailer one day. Three days later, there's another trailer. One day later, there's another trailer. Like, there was very little sequence until they started doing, like... Every two days, every four days, it was weird. But this is actually really funny to me now. Now that I'm no longer a boomer, I can sort of appreciate it, and almost I'm entertained by this because DNF Duel just does whatever the fuck it wants. Like it does whatever it wants. It's like here's a trailer. I'm not telling you shit. I don't know when the next one is. Don't ask me. Here's an open beta. Oh, you don't know how many characters? I don't know either. Don't ask me. Here's information that I want to give you on my terms and I don't give a shit what like it's it's really funny also it's a little bit lost in translation because everything is in Korean or Japanese I used to be pissed about stuff like this now I'm I'm actually entertained like this is this is funny it's different because I'm so used to like developers being like hello today we're going to talk about this and then they show you that and then at the end they're going to like and then we're going to tease this and then they tease that and then we get some dates and we get sure you can or whatever you know like that's that's been the standard so far. Here we get 30 second trailer, 4 seconds of gameplay, an open beta at the end of it. 
and then saying, hey, this is the open beta and it's all in Korean and they don't give a shit. Like, what do you think? It's, it's kind of funny. So I can appreciate the humor because it's different. It's different. And I don't know. I just turn around on this. I used to be pissed. Now I'm happy. Like, it's just funny to me. So I don't believe this is intentional because it's probably they're just how they plan on doing things and they don't really think anything of it. But I find it funny. Now, what I do think might be intentional, not that they're competing with each other, but Dean of Duel does not care that it's stepping on SNK's toes with putting the beta at the exact same date, nearly the same hour. It, It's like, I don't know if there's some sort of like unspoken rule in fighting games to not do this, but since they're not really competing with each other, but they are competing for the same genre, I don't know. But... It is kind of baller. They're like, hey, this is an open market. Let's see who does better. One thing I will say, though, about this open beta. This is DNF Duel's first beta. We already know how KOF 15 plays because we already have a first beta. That's their second beta. So it's a little unfair. So if you guys see that DNF Duel is dominating as far as player base, I wouldn't be surprised. First of all, because DFO is huge. Dungeon Fighters Online is, is ginormous. And second of all, this is the first taste we ever get of this fighting game. We already have a taste of King of Fighters 15. So, yeah, I think if we see way more numbers and, and players online for DNF, that's not a commentary. Oh, DNF is better than KOF 15. But it is a commentary on the fact that, man, they got some balls. <laughs> Nexon, Neopol, whoever is whoever's in charge of this, that's that's really funny. That's really funny. So, um I do, I do find the, I do find this very entertaining. It's a bold move, but I like it. Anyway, here are the characters that the DFO community already have uh, confirmed, or rather, I rather let's talk about the confirmed characters first. So here's who we know is in the game for sure. So we got male fighter subclass brawler, male or rather female fighter subclass striker, male gunner subclass ranger, female priest subclass inquisitor, male slayer subclass berserker. Male Agent, Subclass Hitman. Now, here are the characters that were inferred by the silhouettes from the DFO community. So, Female Knight, Subclass Dragonite. That was inferred, and that turned out to be correct from yesterday as a recording of this podcast. She got her own trailer, and she looks sick. She looks dope. I actually really want to play her. I'm normally not a uh, dragon person character, like uh, Zooey from Grand Blue Versus. Like, she doesn't really interest me. Chaos. I know that's not a dragon, whatever that lizard thing is in Other Night and Birth. But I'm not like a, that's not my archetype. But she looks sick, mostly because of design is, is really cool. Also, the other inferred character, which actually came out today, like an hour ago, is male demonic lancer subclass Vanguard. So that was confirmed. He has hella range, super range. And uh, he's got like a pole. That's pretty sick. The other silhouette was Female Thief, subclass Kunoichi, and Male Priest, subclass Avenger. Here is my theory. We currently don't know. As of the recording of this podcast, we don't know how many characters are going to be in the DNF Duel open beta. However, I am speculating that all 10 are going to be in the open beta. We're going to get another trailer tomorrow and then another trailer the next day. That's going to conclude the silhouettes plus the five that we already have. So you got Hitman, plus four silhouettes, which are going to be the characters I just read, plus the five original characters. We're going to get ten characters in the open beta. And pretty sure it's going to have rollback, because they've spoken about it before, that they want every Arxis game, not that this is an Arxis game, but 
they want every game that comes out to have rollback in the code moving forward. So this is good. Like it's an Arxis game. Don't, don't get me wrong. Arxis is working on it, but also aiding is developing. I believe Neopol or Nexon is publishing. So I think Arxis is playing a role, but I don't know how much of a role they're playing in the actual development of this thing. I, they, I think they're doing the art. So, but then again, I don't know. What do I know? Don't ask me. So anyway, DNF Duel just does what it wants. I can appreciate it. It's pretty funny. So uh, hopefully the netcode works out. I'm sure we'll know the netcode, perhaps even before the open beta starts. But if not, people will know right away if they're playing delay or rollback. So that is uh, pretty cool. Uh, DNF, it's starting to win me over. Go figure. I was really salty like two weeks ago about this game. And now I'm actually like, you know what? I like it. <laughs> All right. This is the real news item that I want to talk about today, ladies and gentlemen. Man, it's been a long time coming. Nothing, I recorded the show three times. Nothing could keep me from making this news item. And I know I'm hella late. I'm like five days late to this, but it's okay. Here we are. Dreams do come true, ladies and gentlemen. I am so excited. I am in bliss. I believe the power of this game has turned me into a non-boomer. That's how powerful this game is. I was so salty for so long. I get this single announcement and I'm in a state of nirvana. Remember that. There's hope for all of us. On December 9th, 2021, a day that shall be remembered forever on this podcast, Atlas and Sega made an announcement as part of the Persona 25th anniversary celebration at the Game Awards 2021 that I always thought would be one that I'm ready for, but I could not handle on the day that it actually happened. Persona 4 Arena Ultimax will be receiving a remaster for PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Nintendo Switch, and Steam this upcoming spring, dated March 17th, 2022. The reason why this news is so exciting for fans of the game is because Persona 4 Arena Ultimax released during the tail end of the 7 console generation on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 and has not received a port of any kind, even via backwards compatibility, since last generation. However, one asterisk there, before I continue, Persona 4 Arena did get backwards compatibility with the Xbox consoles. So you could play the original Persona on Xbox One, I believe, even though it came out to Xbox 360, but Ultimax never got a port for eight years and never got a single port. So here we are in the ninth console generation getting a port for a seventh console generation game. Now, for those who are unfamiliar with the series, the game incorporates characters from both Persona 3 and Persona 4, JRPG franchises respectively, all gathered together in a stylized 2D fighter which was made by the renowned fighting game developer Arc System Works. Our very good friends, Arxis. The remaster is currently available for pre-order for $30. However, as of the time of this recording, Atlas is having a promotion that lets Persona fans get both Persona 4 Golden and Persona 4 Arena Ultimax at a reduced price. So if you already own one, the next one is cheaper. So right now, I have pre-ordered Persona 4 Arena Ultimax. If I want to buy Persona 4 Golden, which I don't because I have it on Vita, and I think it's perfect on Vita, but if I wanted to have it on PC, it would be $13. So if you're still listening to this and you're interested in Persona 4 Arena Ultimax, but you also want to get Persona 4 Golden, you can get them both for like $42, I think, or something crazy, like it's cheap. So you should. Anyway, here's what we know so far. Persona 4 Arena Ultimax will be version 2.50, one that has never before been released on console. 
Now, this is unclear if this will come with a rebalance of any sorts from the 2.0 version, which came to Japanese arcades in January of 2015, which you know made the shadow characters really hard to play against because they dominate the game with the way they have now a defensive option with defensive burst, but also the way that you cannot uh, really defend once they catch you in a uh, shadow combo. So they really they were extremely powerful in that version. So we don't know if 2.50 will come with a rebalance of sort or if just, that's just what they're calling the PC port of the 2.0 arcade version that's now going to be on Steam and they're just trying to give it a different name because I know sometimes they do that. So it could be the same exact version, just now that it's on PC, it's 2.50. The game will come packed with all of the previous DLC it had and had available during its lifespan, which includes three separate characters, Margaret, Adachi, and Marie, all of the navigator voices, all of the OST, all of the headwear and glasses, all of the profile icons, all of the profile titles, all of the character colors, which I believe are like 24 of them. All of the boss characters unlocked from the Golden Arena mode, and all of the previous game modes, which include the Persona 4 Arena story, Persona 4 Arena Ultimax story, the Adachi side story, training mode, challenge mode, score attack mode, online mode, online theater, which is one of my favorite ones, gallery mode, Versus mode, arcade mode, and of course the previously mentioned golden arena mode. Here's the big one. There has been no mention of the type of net code being used for this remaster, and there's no mention of who is working on this port, which is huge. So hopefully we can get more information the closer we get to March 17th, 2022. I will say this. As happy as I am, I pre-ordered this the second I saw this, I couldn't breathe when the Game Awards showed this to me. I was like, Persona 4 Arena Ultimax at the Game Awards of all shows, a mainstream show, showing me such a niche game? I, I was caught off guard. I was like, oh my god. I'm like, I'm having a heart attack. But after I calmed down, and I spammed Milkman Rave in the Discord, you guys should join our Discord because we have this awesome emote called Milkman Rave. And after I spammed that, I calmed down, had some water. I was like, man... They're not saying who's working on this. If this is Arc System Works working on this, I think that the chances for rollback netcode are much, much higher. If this is not Arxis working on this port, if this is either done in-house with Atlas or Sega or whoever, I don't, I don't think this is going to have rollback. This is going to have delay most likely. If they outsource somebody, that one's tricky because I don't know if they out would outsource somebody to do rollback because why not just have Arxis do it? But... It could just be a cheaper option. So I don't know. And Arxis seems to be busy. They have, you know, they're kind of working on DNF Duel. They have the Grand Blue Versus going on. They just did a patch for Dragon Ball in August. I, I don't know. They have a lot on their plate. Plus Season 1 of Guilty Gear Strive. They're just putting rollback and BBCF. So listen, their plate is full. To, to do rollback for this game, that's on Atlas. It's not on Arc System Works. I don't, I don't personally, I don't trust Atlas to put rollback in this game. Unfortunately, this is the only game where I will make the exception... Yes, I will play this despite no rollback. This is, I mean, probably my favorite fighting game of all time. Between this and Tekken 6, I mean, it's it's really hard to, like, say which one. But this is this is the only game. Well, I will make this, this exception. I cannot wait for this game to come out. The, uh, man, I'm I'm so happy this, this is coming out. I mean, the rollback would be so amazing. But even without rollback, I... I I tr I, I'm okay waiting. I trust the fans of this game to do the same thing they did with Blaze Blue Cross, or uh, not Cross Tag Battle, but uh, Central Fiction, 
where they're going to start a movement for Wolbeck and eventually we'll get it, hopefully, if Atlas wants to listen. But I, I'm just so happy. I'm so happy. I, I, I have no words. I've gone through this multiple times, obviously, since we recorded this podcast, but I still get giddy. I was telling everybody who I was spoke, speaking about about this game, you cannot ruin my mood anymore because every time you try to bring me down, I just think of Persona 4 being Ultimax on PC, and I just I have this giant smile on my face. I am happy. I am no longer Boomer because of this game. I am Nirvana. So that's a huge announcement. I was so caught off guard. I'm, I'm so happy for the people like me who love this game, who have waited for so long, who have not had an ability to really play this outside of a really bad, you know, arcade rip or, you know, Parsec is okay, but it doesn't work for everybody. And only playing it on PS3, I, I can't wait for people who have never touched this game to get into it. And even if you don't like it, it's a different game. It's a special game because it has its own rules and it doesn't play, in my opinion, it doesn't play like anything else that I've played. It's the reason why I harp on it so much because of how special it is. And, I don't think it's going to be for everybody, but I think it's going to be an interesting game to get into, and I can't wait to see the reaction of so many people who will try this game because I think it's special, and I think it's a, it's a great game, and I'm so happy that it's out finally. I, I can't wait for March 17th, and yeah, this is a, this is a great announcement. I, I can't wait. Round two, topic of the week. Okie dokie. This is going to be a little hard to do on my own because this is technically meant for two people. However, since I don't have a co-host, you will be my co-host. The audience and slash listeners will be the co-host. I will need your help in trying to solve this puzzle even though I know where every single piece goes. But it's okay. This is Resume Review FGC Edition. So originally I gave this to Pringle and he picked certain players and i will reveal them at the end of this topic of the week but this has to do with a a make made up hall of fame if you will in the fgc so what am i trying to say here i was i was listening to an mma podcast and they were talking about how certain fighters mma stands for mixed martial arts for the people who don't follow it they were talking about how certain fighters, cage fighters, in different eras, some that have fought in 1993 versus some that have fought in 2011, would be eligible for a Hall of Fame. And many of them are really good, and they're legends in the sport. However, they fought in different eras. So their competition was different, the rules were different, the advancement in technique was different. There was a lot of different factors. So how do you pick between... Somebody who was really good in 1993 versus somebody who was really good in, 19, in, in 2011. So they were breaking that down, and they were trying to stack the resumes together and to see who is a first ballot Hall of Famer. First ballot just means that if you are eligible for the Hall of Fame, the first time you're eligible is when you get into the Hall of Fame. So that is the first ballot. So I wanted to take that idea but incorporate it into fighting games, and you will help me. So we're going to see if I am or if you are Actually, I can't really do this because I made this list up. But I will try to stay honest of who I would have picked if I would have just seen the resume. But we're going to pick who deserves, out of a head-to-head matchup between two players, fighting game players, from different eras, who should make the Hall of Fame that I made up. So, there are six players total. We're going to do, we're going to decide the fighting game that they have played. Same franchise, different eras, so there are going to be different games. And we're going to pick 
who has the better resume, and who should be in the FGC Hall of Fame. The Hollywood made-up FGC Hall of Fame. And I, of course, I will reveal the players after I read their resumes, and I will tell you who Pringle picked for his choice. So, we're going to start with Street Fighter, and we have two players here. And they've played in two different eras. One played during the Street Fighter 4 era, and the other played during the Street Fighter 5 era. So, here is the resume of player A, who is the Street Fighter 4 player. Evolution, 2010, fifth place. Shadowloo Showdown, 2010, champion. Shadowloo Showdown, 2011, fifth place. Evolution, 2012, second place. Southeast Asian Majors, 2013, champion. Evolution, 2013, seventh place. Final round, 2014, fifth place. NCR, 2015, second place. Evolution, 2015, second place. And Capcom Cup, 2015, 13th place. So, that was a lot of places. However, let's break this down. So, player A, who played during the Street Fighter 4 era, is obviously a very good player. He, he participated in nine major events. One is a super major event, which would be Capcom Cup, which the reason why I'm differentiating super events and major events is because a major event just has a lot of players. A super major has probably not as many players, but all the players that are participating are at an exceptional level. That means they have qualified to get there. Capcom Cup, Tekken World Tour, uh, Tekken Championships back in the in the, in the day, um, and I mean all those circuit uh, finals. Those would be super majors, at least in my eyes. So nine total major events, one super major event, nine top eight finishes out of ten tries, two-time champion, and two-time EVO runner-up. So that is a hell of a resume. But does it stack up to this mysterious Street Fighter V player? So let's see. This is the resume for player B who plays Street Fighter V. 2016, Brooklyn Beatdown, second place. NEC, 2016, champion. NCR, 2017, champion. ECT, 2017, champion. SCR, 2017, 17th place. Final round, 2018, 14th place. NCR, 2018, 14th place. Combo Breaker, 2019, champion. And Capcom Cup, 2019, second place. So, this player has nine major events, so same amount of major events, one super major event, Capcom Cup, seven top eight finishes in ten tries, four-time champion, one-time Capcom Cup runner-up. So that is also a hell of a resume. So the two differences here between the resumes are the fact that more top eight finishes for the Street Fighter 4 player, however, more championships for the Street Fighter 5 player. And he has, as opposed to having two-time EVO runner-ups, he is, rather the Street Fighter V player, is a one-time Capcom Cup runner-up. So, two very impressive players. Now, I will give you Pringle's pick when we read this list. Pringle went with player A, who played Street Fighter IV. And I believe the reason why he went with player A is because of the fact that consistency was the key in player A's performance. So player A would get top eight 90% of the time. There were 
10 total tries of trying to get top eight, and he, he managed to do so nine times. The only time he didn't do so was during the super major event where he got 13th, so he barely missed. He is also, he doesn't have as much hardware as the Street Fighter V player. However, he has got two Evo finishes at, at second place, which is a, a really hard major to do, though, to do that to in. And his consistency above uh, everything, I mean, NCR, second place, Evo, second place, another Evo, second place, and he has a fifth place at Evo, so he is obviously very good at high-stakes tournaments. But he only won Southeast Asian Major in 2013 and Shadowloo Showdown in 2010. Now, with player B, who plays Street Fighter V, he has uh, four total championships, but his consistency isn't there because of the fact that in the final round, he got 17th place, and in NCR 2018, he got 14th place. So I believe that's why Pringle picked player A. So before I reveal these picks, I will tell you who I picked as well. If I was looking at this resume, I would go with the Street Fighter Four player looking at this resume for the sole reason, and this is subjective, I know. Sole reason, or rather sole reason, is because I believe that it was harder to win at the top, at the top, top level in Street Fighter Four and get those type of results than it is in Street Fighter Five. I think results, and we can see this in the second resume, it's a little more volatile with how you do because the game operates under a different system. Whereas I think with Street Fighter Four, the the cream really rose to the top at at the highest level. It was really hard to to fake how good you were. Not that you can do that in Street Fighter Five, but I do think that the path to victory can be a little more random in some of these events than it was in Street Fighter Four. So for the sole reason that I found that it's harder to win at highest at the highest level in Street Fighter Four, personally, I would have gone with player A had I not known who this was beforehand, just stacking up these two resumes. Now, the big reveal, hopefully you have your answer, player A or player B. Player A is none other than Gamer B from Taiwan. I love Gamer B. He plays Adon, and he has a hell of a resume. I believe he's a fighting game Hall of Famer for sure. However, he went up against player B, who is Punk from the U.S., made a huge name for himself with a game like Street Fighter V. Now he's making a name for himself with Guilty Gear Strive. I believe Punk is going to be a future Hall of Famer. He's not there yet. He's close. I believe he's an evil went away and just more consistent uh, exposure to, to Street Fighter VI and results and, and tournament. Uh, we'll do that for him. But he's definitely on his way. But I do think that as far as a, a more solid resume, Gamer B has it. So I picked Gamer B. You guys can let me know who you picked, whether in Discord, whether in the YouTube comments of the video version of the podcast. But that was the Street Fighter round. Now here is the Tekken round. This is This is a close one as well. So we're going to have player A who plays... Tekken Tag Tournament 2. Let's read his results. So, SBO 2012, second place. MLG Championships 2012, champion. 
Final Round 2013 Champion, East Coast Throwdown 2013 Champion, Tekken Worlds 2013 Second Place, Final Round 2014 Champion, Evolution 2014 Champion, and Final Round 2015 Champion. So, this player has seven major events, one super major event, eight top eight finishes out of eight tries, six-time champion, and one-time Tekken World runners or Tekken Worlds runner runner-up. So this player, if he's not number one, he is number two. That means he finished top eight in every single tournament that I just read. So out of eight tries, or rather out of nine tries, oh no, I was right. Yeah, out of eight tries, sorry. Eight tries, he managed to get top eight eight times. And not only that, he managed to get top two every single time he entered a major tournament and one super major tournament. So... This player is obviously really, really good. He is the final round king. He won three back-to-back-to-back final rounds. He also won a bunch of different types of majors. SBO is a big one, at least back in the day. And uh, MLG Championships was huge. Or I'm sorry, he got second place at SBO. But he also won Evolution 2014. So... A very impressive resume. He won uh, six. He's a six-time champion, and he only got second place every time he didn't win. So, very impressive. However, player B, who plays Tekken Seven, is not too shabby. Here's his resume: OU Gaming 2018 champion, Evolution Japan 2018 champion, Evo 2019 champion, Southeast Asia Major champion, or rather Southeast Asia Majors 2019 champion. Tekken World Tour 2019, 17th place. KIT 2020 champion. Evo Japan 2020, 25th place. CEO 2021 champion. I am sure for the Tekken fans out there, by just reading a couple of these results, you know who this player is because of the fact that he also just won CEO uh, less than a month ago. So this is a player who's obviously still active playing Tekken 7. He's also really, really good. Very impressive resume. And I will say, when I read this list of Pringle, he picked player A because of the fact that it goes to the same part of consistency. Every time player A entered a major, he either won or got second. When player B entered a major, he either won, and if he didn't win, he didn't make top eight. So that means that while player A has nine major events and made top eight every single, or rather eight major events and made top eight every single time, player B has seven major events, one super major event, but he made top eight six out of the eight times he tries. He's also a six-time champion, and he won Evolution twice, one in Japan, one in the U.S. So... The resume stacks up with the fact that you have consistency and results, champion in second place, but only one evolution and a, a world's fi- a runner-up, or you have a six-time champion with a two-time Evo champ. The games are different, but who do you pick? Pringle picked player one because of the consistency. If I were to pick, I would also go with player one because of the fact that Tekken Worlds back in the day, even though it was Tekken... It wasn't Tekken World Tour. Tekken Worlds back in the day was a really difficult event to win in. And second place at that is very prestigious. 
defeating everybody in final round three years in a row is also really impressive. And I also getting an evolution win. I just cannot get past the fact the fact that player A, every time he entered a major event, he either won or took second. That is so impressive. Player B is amazing. However, when he plays against the top competition, he sometimes gets booted out of top eight. So while he is, yes, amazing and he can win at high level, he does falter sometimes. And I know his career is younger, so obviously he's going to get better. But at this point in time, with these resumes, I think player A deserves it. So, the big reveal, hopefully you made your pick. Tech Attack Tournament 2 player is JDCR. Everybody loves JDCR, of course. He dominated that game. He was so good. He played defense. He backdashed. He played Armor King. Yeah, he's uh, Armor King and Dragonov. Or, yeah, I think that was his team. And uh, yeah, he's he's amazing. Uh, I've, I don't I don't believe even Nee could really beat him in that game back then. He was uh, an amazing player, and uh, yeah, that was his game. That was his era, the JDCR era. Who is Player B? Player B is of course Arslan Ash. Arslan Ash is a newer player, right? I mean, he only just started within the last three years to travel. Thank you, Sherry Janix, for helping out with his visa. And, yeah, I mean, he is amazing. I think, similar to Punk, I think he is a future fighting game Hall of Famer. If he keeps doing what he's doing with Tekken 8, with Tekken Tag Tournament 3, whatever the next Tekken game is, Tekken Revolution 2, he will be a future Hall of Famer because he has shown that he can beat anybody, whether it's Nii, whether it's Anakin, whether it's Jimmy J. Tran, he can beat the best of the best. And while I don't think his resume is there yet being a two-time evo champ i mean what a great year in 2019 he had and uh his only real blemish on his record is the 25th place at evo japan 2020 but uh pringle when i read him this list he said you know what that should be an asterisk because that was the year that leroy came out completely broken and dominated evo japan i was like you know what there's something to that because leroy did have eight, six players out of the top eight, and I believe it was like 32 out of the top 128. So, yeah, that character was busted. But 25th place for a player of Arslan Ash's uh, caliber. That's a little low, I would say, for Evo Japan, but I'm willing to overlook it. But even with overlooking that result, I still think JDCR's Tekken Tag uh, Tournament 2 run was slightly better, I would say. Okay, the final head-to-head matchup goes with a tag team fighter that I will name later because these resumes are really close. The eras are slightly closer than the other ones. And I know that if I read some of these results with telling you the game, you will know exactly who it is. So I'm trying to throw a curveball to the audience. So here's player A for tag team fighter X. Evo 2014, fourth place. NEC 2014 second place, Combo Breaker 2015 champion, Evo 2015 champion, Combo Breaker 2016 champion, Defend the North 2017 champion, CEO Taku 2017 champion, Combo Breaker 2018 second place, Frosty Faustings fourth place. So this player has seven major events, two minor events, nine top eight finishes out of nine tries, four time major champion, one time minor champion, one-time EVO champion. That's a hell of a resume. 
However, how does it stack up against player B for Tag Team Fighter Y? Here is the list. Shadowloo Showdown 2012, third place. CEO 2012, Champion Evo 2012, seventh place. SCR 2013, fifth place. Evo 2013, second place. NCR 2014 champion, Evo 2014 champion, final round 2015, fifth place, Combo Breaker 2015 champion. So this player has nine major events, nine top eight finishes out of nine tries, four-time champion, one-time Evo champion. These two resumes stack up a little bit different. If you take a look, player A for Tag Team Fighter X has seven major events and two minor events. Who are those minor events? Those would be Frosty Faustings in 2021 and CEO Otaku in 2017. The reason those are minor events is because they normally attract a local crowd and are smaller in entry compared to Combo Breaker, compared to Evolution, compared to CEO. So that's the reason why I decided to call them minor events. They're still impressive in their wins, but compared to those other majors, I felt that you should make a distinction there. So, while he is a four, while he is a five-time champion, one of those championships came from a minor event, which is CEO Taku 2017. But they both won Evo, and they both made top eight nine tries or nine times out of nine tries. So every time they enter a tournament, you you, you can bet on seeing them in top eight. Now player B has a pretty consistent record. It's always in top eight and it's always in top five or never mind actually in evolution he got seventh place so scratch that I, I can't talk but he has nine major events so no minor events so every time he won which is also four times they were all majors so they have the same amount of majors but he played against tougher competition in every single major well I guess you can't say that but he played against more competition I guess you you could say and he is also a one-time evolution champion. Now, I believe when I read this to Pringle, he picked player B for this first bout Hall of Fame because of the fact that, again, those minor tournaments are not a blemish on your record, but the fact that they are there, it possibly could make the fact that you made top eight, nine out of times, or nine out of uh, nine tries, those two minor events the path to top eight was probably a little easier so that was the one thing i remember him saying as well as the fact that winning in games like or rather winning at uh frosty fausting or or placing a frosty fausting nc otaku uh, as well as nec is not as impressive as shadow showdown and scr so he was weighing the events together. I, I agree with him. I actually would also go with player B, but not by much. I think this is really close because of the fact that if you look at the consistency of player A, he got top four every single time he entered, whether it's a major or a minor, top four. That means that they're always right there, right there to be in the loser's final or whatever. So yeah, the, uh, that's, a, that's really, really impressive. But I probably would go with player B for my Hall of Fame pick because of the fact that those are all majors and those are all impressive showings. So, drumroll please. Who are these mysterious players? Hopefully you made your pick. 
Player A, Tag Team Fighter X, is Sonic Fox. Sonic Fox plays Skullgirls, of course. So all this whole list was for Skullgirls and Sonic Fox's results. So who did he go up against? He went against Player B, who is Justin Wong. And Tag Team Fighter Y is Marvel vs. Capcom 3. So hopefully you guessed those. I don't know who you picked. I'm sure maybe some of you will tell me in the comments in the YouTube section or in Discord. But I thought that that was kind of cool. I, here's my opinion, my true opinion. All these guys should probably be in the Hall of Fame one day. If we had a Hall of Fame in the FGC, these guys should make it. I, I say Punk, Arslan Ash, those two. I have a little bit more work to go. But Gamer B, Justin Wong, Sonic Fox, and who is the other one? JDCR. <laughs> JDCR, those, those four guys are Hall of Fame bound for sure. One day I will make a Hall of Fame and I will put those guys on there. That's all I'm saying. But that was a fighting game topic of the week. Hopefully you enjoyed that. I know we've been picking characters a lot. No Pringle here, so you can't say that my picks suck. But it's okay, because now we got Hollywood Mail. Round three, Hollywood Mail. We only got two questions this week, but it's okay, because one of them is not even a question, and it comes from Patreon. Zio says, let me do a giveaway. Savvy? As you may know, the competition, Double Tap, shout out to Double Tap, had a segment last week where they had asked their viewers to post their mains and when they will, and then they will tell you about you. And they read my list and couldn't really get what makes me pick characters I pick, which is par for the course. No one seems to get it, but it's not like many have tried. So the challenge I pose to the highly educated listener of Hollywood is, I offer a purchase up to $10 on Fanatical or Steam to the first per first listener that can guess why I pick my characters. The list is Jam from Guilty Gear, Bullet from Blaze Blue, Angel from King of Fighters, Yuzuriha from Undernight and Birth, and Armor King from Tekken. I will reveal the answer to Mac before the next podcast. Now, it does mean that if you know the answer, you're going to have to join us in the Discord to receive your prize. So hop to it, Hollywood. This is really cool. Very nice of Zio to put out a bounty for his character choice. Now, I spoke to Zio, and he told me that none of his criteria has to do with gameplay. This is purely visual. So if you know the answer to his riddle, please join us in Discord. Tell Zio what you think about his characters, and maybe you'll get $10 redos, which can also get you them fighting hurts, because I think that's like $8.99. So come play ponies by guessing Zio's characters. All right, the second question comes from Twitter. Lozi asks, is favoritism in tournaments from commentators slash presenters okay? I am tired of seeing Punk being told he is the best in the world when he loses. I find it ridiculous to say he lost, but he is the best two times in a row in the last two majors. You're right. We talked about this last time too. It is weird. I actually don't blame Punk because that's not his fault that the commentators are doing it. But at CEO, when Mono beat Punk with take the poison Fong, right? And that was an upset. Not only as I think it's a player upset because Punk is favored in that matchup, it's a character upset. Because you have Punk playing... I don't know if, if Vega is supposed to beat Fong. But I know Karen is supposed to beat Fong for sure. And 
yeah, that was that was very impressive by Mono. But Tasty Steve did say when he gave him his medal or when he was doing his introductions, and the best player in the world, Punk. How are you going to say somebody's the best player in the world when you're giving them the second place medal? That's kind of weird. I don't like that, but I will say one of the things that are, is really cool about the FGC is the fact that our personality really shows in our commentary and our presentation. And although we like to see some grassroots with how we organize events and how we treat them on the production side, you'll get stuff like this as well, where you get personated or uh, opinionated commentators that are a little biased and that's going to come out that there's not as much yellow tape around that production for fgc events we love it sometimes but it also comes out in not the best ways and i think this is one of the the ways it comes out where you you, you see favoritism so i personally don't like that when you you have commentators that are are too invested in one player or another i think you should try to be neutral if you can and if you can't maybe sit out that commentary role but it happens, you know, it's not the end of the world. Uh, I still think Mono got plenty of respect for winning. And uh, listen, Punk is really good. And he might be the best in the world, but not not on those nights. So I don't think commentators and presenters should say that. You can say that on another night. You can say that on your stream. You can say it on your YouTube channel. You can say it whenever you want. Not on the night he got second. So that's, that's all I think. Just show respect to the person who won because that's their day. That's their day. That's their moment. Give them their moment. Give them their spotlight. Shout out to Mono. Take the poison. What a cool character. I love Fong. All right. The Dirk feature of the week. I don't have his collar. I'm in a hotel room. Look at this lamp. I have no collar. So I'll use this pen. Oh, shit. Hold on. I'll use this. The Dirk feature of the week goes to... Guilty Gear Strive. Hey, congrats to Guilty Gear Strive. They won the fighting game of the year at the Game Awards. Well deserved. I really thought we were going to get memed out with Nickelodeon or the Demon Slayer game winning, but this is well deserved. Guilty Gear Strive did things right this year. Not everything, right? Not everything. They had they had some hiccups. You know, early on, some communication hiccups. Then, lobby hiccup. But, can't fault them. Netcode is amazing presentation is amazing they've done everything to entice the casual fan over to play a fighting game i mean they've they've brought street fighter players over come on i mean you know how hard that is to do to bring street fighter players to play guilty Gear. so well deserved I, listen i'm a melty blood fan i love melty blood type luna i think i'll play that game way more than i'll play strive but there's no doubt in my mind that guilty gear strive was the deserving award winner for fighting game of the year regardless of how you feel about that game like i'm not even a huge fan of guilty gear strive but you gotta call a spade a spade and when i think of like which game truly deserves which game moved the needle which games represented fighting games in a way that you would want to see the outside view fighting games it's guilty gear strive for sure it's guilty gear strive so well deserved congrats to daisuke i saw he put a little note here on twitter saying thank you we aim to make a game that new players of the series can enjoy as well as other people and veterans and all that so he seems to be happy and yeah great great to see usually the game awards you know they're they're casuals for the most part they see guilty gear strive like oh that looks pretty we'll just give it to them but that could have been injustice for what injustice three right and they would have just given it to that because it's warner brothers and it's the game awards but i'm glad that guilty gear strive 
got this recognition because the one time these award shows give an award and actually they got it right. Not that the award means a whole lot, but it's nice when they get it right. So congrats to Guilty Gear. All right. The show is done, ladies and gentlemen. Here I am. I did a whole show on my lonesome, but we got a couple more items before we get out of here. What did we miss? I couldn't fit everything in the show because I still have to upload this thing, and I'm in a hotel. I have 10 upload speed, so I need to talk about this really quickly. So, Rita Repulsa is coming to Power Rangers Battle for the Grid December 14th, which is today as of the recording of this podcast. So, if you play Power for the Grid, get Rita Repulsa. She was one of my favorite villains growing up. She's funny, not the same voice actress, but pretty close. Good job. Phantom Breaker Omnia is launching March 15th, 2022, two days before Persona Formula Ultimax. Oh my god, that is one of the worst and best trailers I've ever seen in my life for a fighting game. It's so bad that it's good. <laughs> it's so bad. You have I cannot describe to you this trailer for Phantom Breaker Omnia. It's I thought I was being punked. I thought somebody was pulling a prank on me. They hired a dude to make the most ridiculous sounds and most crazy phrases, and it was a parody of how to do a video game trailer, but it's a serious trailer. It's, it's ridiculous. Shout-outs to that guy, to that voice actor. Please, please, please. Phantom Breaker Omnia is... I'm sorry. It's dead on arrival. That game has delay netcode. It has no IP resonance. It's It doesn't look great. It doesn't look to play great. It's it's the definition of Kusoge, and not like a diamond in the rough Kusoge. It's like, ugh, I'm not touching that. But that trailer is so bad and so cringy, it's actually funny. And I was by the end, I was like, that was hilarious. I, I didn't play it again. I wasn't that brave to play it again. But everybody should listen to that trailer at least once in their lifetime because <laughs> it's so bad, it's good. So I was that was I was actually made me laugh. So uh Phantom Breaker. Omnia is launching March 15th, 2022. Hey, if this is the game for you, good for you, man or woman. That's uh yeah, that's that's a that's a game. It's a game and it exists. Vera and Avatar Belial are coming to Grand Blue Versus December 14th again today. The game is on sale for $50 with all the DLC up to Vera and Avatar Belial or you can get $20 for the standard edition. I will say anybody who's interested in getting into Grand Blue Versus, now is the time to get it. $50 for all of the DLC up to Vera and Avatar Belial is a great deal. I know they, they didn't. Uh, I noticed that the Steam version does not have the a la carte DLC uh, down. Like All the characters are still full price, so if you bought everything, it would still be hella, hella monies. But uh, 50 bucks, I think, is a, is a solid price for that game. And then you would have to get Vera and Avatar Belial on their own. I think they're like nine bucks or ten dollars, but fifty dollars. Remember, season two passed with thirty-five dollars. So here you can get season one, season two, and the base roster for fifty. It's pretty good. That's it's pretty good. So good for good on Psy Games for finally putting this game on sale. Better late than never. And if you want the standard edition, twenty bucks. I mean, hey, I would probably buy that game for 20 bucks just for the standard edition, just to kind of like, you know, dip my toes, see what it's all about if I didn't know what it was already all about. So if you've ever had interest in Grand Blue Versus, get the game now because I don't I don't know how long the sale is going to last, but 
whenever they've run a sale before, it didn't last very long. So by the time you're listening to this, it might already be gone. But if you have any interest and you don't know about the sale, please go to Steam or PlayStation 4 or I don't know where the sale is at. But like, it's on Steam for sure. It might be a PlayStation. Go buy it. Last thing that we missed on this podcast is congrats to Iron Galaxy for releasing Rumbleverse, a Melee-style battle royale. I really like Iron Galaxy because I love Killer Instinct. And they've done a really good job. Season 2, Killer Instinct. Season 3, Killer Instinct. They took it over from Double Helix back in 2014. So uh, that's nice that they're making a new game. Not my cup of tea. I'm not a battle royale guy. I'm not like a goofy-style animation-type person. But... Good for them. I like that studio. They do good work. And they are pioneers. Not pioneers, but they they champion rollback as well. They have a lot of people in that dev studio. Shout out to Keats that uh, talk about rollback. So, always good. Here's On the Horizon. Next week, which is the end of the year show for Hollywood. But then again, I might even record on Christmas. Because now that I'm doing this on my own, I can just record on Christmas. I might not do it next week, but... You should prepare for the end of the year Hollywood Fighting Game Award show. I'm working on that. Most likely it will be just me because of the fact of my circumstances. So if there's no show on the 25th, that means that the show on the 18th was the end of the year award show. And it will probably be out that following Monday. But anyway, that is all for FGC Hollywood. Take three of episode 41 Ladies and gentlemen, if you made it this far, thank you very much. I apologize. I know this is a this is a crazy throwback to some people, to TMP days, and this is a completely different thing that you all signed up for, for the new Hollywood people, but I appreciate you all sticking around. I'm hoping that we can go back to how things used to be with the podcast format sooner than later, but for now, I'm just going to try to make the best of it, and I appreciate you for sticking around for your fighting game news, fighting game topics, fighting game happiness with FGC Hollywood. I will be back next week with the Fighting Games Award show or a different show, depending on if I decide to record on Christmas or not. But until then, check us out on Patreon. If you want more fighting game stuff, you can check out the YouTubes for clips and stuff. Hey, Persona 4 Reno Ultimax is coming out soon. I made a review for that, like in 2020. You can check that out, see all the mechanics and stuff. So... Until next time, I'll probably still be on the road with this lamp. And, yeah, that's all. So, until next week, you know what to do. Keep it classy, stay Hollywood, and I will see you guys later. Peace.